What do you think about fasting? Yeah, I think it's a wonderful discipline. I think Jesus said not if you fast, he said when you fast. And I think it's not to move the hand of the Lord. I think it closes the proximity gap because he said in the, when I'm gone, in those days you will fast. So to me, it's about drawing near. It's about you're not going to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's what kills the flesh, heightens the spirit. It has more to do with your relationship than getting his hand to move. It's saying, I'm desperate for you. I want more of you. You're the bread of life, you know. So they, his, John the Baptist's disciples, or one of the disciples, I know it could have been the Pharisees, I don't remember exactly. It's right around Luke 5. It's also in Matthew's gospel where they come to him and say, how come the disciples of John fast, we fast, how come your disciples don't? And he said, in, in the, in, while the attendants of the bridegroom have the bridegroom, they're not going to fast. In other words, while I'm here, there's no need. When I'm taken away in those days, so he's no longer here. Somebody's come. We no longer know him by the flesh. We know him now by the Holy Spirit. So for me, it has everything to do with fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and drawing nearer to him. You know, And there are going to be times, I, I believe this, it's Gloria, right? Yeah, so I, I believe this. I, I believe that there, there have been times where I have gotten so desperate to have more of him that I just went, I went on a fast. He didn't lead me into it, though I believe very strongly he can lead you into it. And the times where he has led me to do one, the grace that was on it to carry it out was so much greater than me trying to do it because I just wanted more. I feel like I, when, I, when it's, when it's and, and it's either one for me is okay, but I find in the seasons and times, and I, I went through one last year where I became exceedingly aware of some pride in my life um, and, and feeling the need to be recognized in certain ways and, and whatnot. And I was so appalled by that that I decided I was going to draw near to him by fasting rather than, rather than honestly, like, and that probably had more to do with the work of my own flesh than appropriating his grace towards me to just be thankful to see it for what it is and recognize that grace comes to the humble and go low before him. And, and it wasn't that I necessarily had to go on a fast. That was just my response to it. But the times where, I mean, I've, I've, I've gone on extended fasts with his grace, and I've gone on three-day fasts without, and I thought I was going to die. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so I, have, I have a book called Fasting. It's a, it's, a weird, it's a weird subtitle, Atomic Firepower with God. But it's, it's a book written by Franklin Hall, and he talks very heavily and highly, not just from a spiritual standpoint, but back a long time ago, doctors would prescribe this 10-day water fast, 21-day water fast, 14-day water fast for people that had tumors in their body. And what happens on a water fast is you, and you guys know this, we, there's so much stuff in our food that we eat that when you go on a fast, you're actually giving your, your organs a chance to actually shut down it cleanses the body, and it does what it's supposed to do. So it'll attack foreign invaders. Well, it can't do that if it's constantly processing junk that we're putting in our body, whether it's sugar or artificial sweeteners or you know, the stuff, additives that are in our food today. So when you go on a fast, it's almost as if like it brings a balance. It shuts everything down. It cleanses the body. And these people would see cancer and tumors healed on these kinds of fasts. But... You don't hear many doctors prescribing that because there's no money in that. That opens up a door. I can't believe I just said that. But there's, yes, there's health. And there's health benefits. But I've heard, I've heard, listen, I have heard people say, we're not in seasons of fasting anymore. We're in seasons of feasting. And I, I couldn't disagree more. 
Because I see the early church doing it, Jesus did it, and I'm, I'm, I completely disagree with that statement. And um, if, if he's asking you to do it, then you want to do it. The, the, the bottom line is, guys, fasting, the, the Lord is about temperance. So like, when we go on fast, like, there are, I've, seen, I've seen compulsions, little idiosyncrasies people struggle with crushed on a three-day fast. Because it recalibrates you. Like it's, you know, and I, and I hear people say, well, you, you don't have to just fast food. And I, I agree with that, but there's something about fasting food. Because in our culture, in our day and time, we, we live to eat. We don't eat to live. And one of the reasons why they wanted to go back into Egypt was for what reason? Because the food that was there. So it's, it's one of the hardest things for us to give up because it, it's, it's fleshly, it's carnal. It may, you know, people, uh, you know this, they turn to food because you know, there's various types of addictions and food is just one of them. We oftentimes don't see that because it's more socially acceptable. So God, what happens is fasting will actually bring temperance and balance into a person's life. So it's good, it's healthy to be able to do those things. Yeah. How do you train your students to prophesy? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing I do, Stanley, is I, I want to root them and ground them in their identity in the Lord. I never want them finding in a gift what they're supposed to be finding relationally with Jesus. So that's the first step. I don't want to hand them dynamite. or like Tim, I watched Tim's video when he was at the church, and he used a great analogy about power tools. There's power in the tools, and if we're untaught in how to use them, we're going to do damage. We may very well cut our fingers off or you know, get a wrong cut on the board or something like that. And I thought that was a brilliant analogy. A lot of times people are wanting to operate and move in the gifts because, let's face it, it's fun. It just is. It, to see God move through you is awesome. It's, it's when Jesus said, you know, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me, you know, when we're operating out of what God has called us to do, it feels like going back to fasting, it feels like you don't even have to eat. You're so alive in what it is that you're doing and God operating through you. But the first thing I want to do is help people understand this is who you are and this is how the Lord feels about you because I was one of those without even realizing it. Here I am. I'm the guy with the counseling degree from Asbury Seminary and I needed the most counseling in my life. And I was in ministry and didn't realize that till three and a half years later in full-time ministry how broken I was. So if I can help people appropriate, understand, if I can take the grace in me, what God has shown me and taught me and be able to instill that in my students. And to be honest with you, Rachel's one of them. You know, we have an eight-week, Tim came up and spoke at it. We had an eight-week-long first semester. That's not even enough time to really honestly walk people through the process, but at least it's a start. At least it's introducing concepts and things like that. The second thing I do is I, I walk them through, this is what it actually means to have relationship with God, and this is what God wants to have with you. We need to, we, we have catchphrases like practicing the presence, you know, hungering for the presence. Well, how do you actually do that? So I talk to them very practically, because I see a lot of Christians struggling. And one of the things God said to me was the reason why so many are struggling in their alone time is they're continue, continually looking outward rather than turning inward. God's in here. We're waiting for him to come to us when he's already here. And he's as close as the mention of his name. So, I mean, I know Tim's the same way. I can, Carl's the same way. I could just say the name Jesus and I instantly feel him. I know him. He's there, right? Yeah. Just slow down. Yeah. So we walk people through that. But then the big thing is, and Rachel's getting ready to go in her third semester, is I keep it really simple. If the goal is about accuracy, that's a heavy burden to carry. If your goal is to be accurate, you're going to probably move out of fear. And it's actually going to clog your ears. So the goal, I tell them right away, you'll hear me say it, Rachel, the first day of third semester, the goal is not accuracy, the goal is love. So if I can love, if I, if I, and so like I said to them when we came in here yesterday, I said, listen, I said, here's, I said, I'm going to keep it real simple for you guys. There's going to be people that are going to come in 
And I said, if you can understand and settle in your heart by faith that God has something to say to them because he loves them. And if you come in here and say, Lord, I want to love them. And I want to hear what you're saying because he has something to say. And I said, and you don't, I don't want you to worry about interpretation. I said, if you get a vision, I said, if God doesn't give it to you, just give it to them. I said, maybe it's meaningful for them. Um, I said, but our job is really just to to deliver what it is that we're getting. But if we just keep it really simple and say, I can hear his voice. But that's something we have to see. Like we, we, and when, I, when I say see it, like the eyes of our heart really have to be enlightened. That's where faith is. And, and so we have to be convinced that we can. And if I can instill that in them, and, and the thing that I do is we do a lot of in-class practices, Stanley. If we can't do it with our own, we're not going to do it out there. So we practice heavily and we, we give feedback. Feedback's very important. And I think sometimes we're afraid to say, was that right? Did that feel right? Was that on? You know, because I think sometimes we're afraid that if it's not, that we just feel rejected or we're not, we're not hitting the mark, you know, and, and we're, we're just striking out and um, rather than just understanding we're growing in something. So, and that's what I try to tell them, you know, Will Hart's son, I, he has this story where um, he was teaching his son how to ride a bike and the training wheels were off and he had this hill behind his house and he, his son would ride down the hill and his son kept falling. And he said, keep going, buddy, like you can do it. I believe in you. And, uh, and he said, because you know, Josh, practice makes perfect. And Josh said to his dad, said to Will, no, dad, practice makes better. And that's all I'm going for. That's good. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just, yeah. And so that stuck with Will. And, and he shared that with me. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. The thing that bothers me, and this is hard because I've, I've got young girls that I've taught how to ride their bikes, and, thing, and the hardest thing is watching that, because I, I got a lot of kickback. The one class gave me a lot of kickback. They were like, we don't like this popcorn prophecy. We don't like you forcing us to practice and things like that. And I said to him, I said, you have to ask yourself the question, who has the fruit in their life? And if the person teaching is, is actually having the fruit, then maybe you ought to listen to what it is that they're trying to impart and say. So I'm teaching my kids how to ride a bike. I know how to ride a bike. What's challenging is when my girls are, I, I let go of the seat and they're pumping back on the brake and they put their foot down. Or I let go and they immediately put their feet down. And I know what they're capable of. And that's what I was trying to instill in my students was, I know you guys can do this. And I'm telling you, Stanley, most of the time, one of the greatest things I can tell anybody that comes to that school is, you can do it. That's what people need to hear. I believe in you. You can do it. Let's just try. Let's see what happens. You know? But the biggest hindrance is, is people are afraid. They want it to be right. They want it to be accurate. And that's, that's hindering the flow of God. So if I can get them beyond their fear and get them into just simply, look, just love this person. Just bless them. You know, I, I did an exercise with a group of people not that long ago where I took a chair and put it in the middle of the room and I said, I want you, come sit in this chair. And I said, I want everybody here. I said, you tell that person what it is that you appreciate about them. And they just began, and without realizing it, that is, that is prophecy. Wow. You just encouraging that person and telling them what they may not see in themselves, but what you see. Yep. Yep. Right? Yep. And they just start weeping. Yep. What's happening is we're waiting till they're in the grave to say those things. Yep. Those things are we're celebrated at a funeral. We feel right. what we think is the Holy Spirit. Right. But he's, like you said, mm-hmm. he's present whether yeah. we've called him to be present or not. Amen. And he's, he's on, like we're fish. We, fish don't know we're wet. Like they don't know they're wet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's actually my primary mode of prophecy is mm-hmm. 
stop trying to feel or think something spiritual yeah. and just back up, get unspiritual and yeah, say, what do I know about this person? That's I know really he rides good. a motorcycle. Yeah. Why the heck do I know that? Mm-hmm. I would have no reason to know right. that. Why am but I, I thinking know that. that? Yeah. Do you ride a motorcycle? Yes. I have no idea why I know that. <laughs> and that's in, so I, I love I'm that. sure there's more maturity to do right. with the motorcycle thing besides I know it. I but. know, I know too, um, and, I'll, and they saw me start to do this a little bit yesterday, is if you just start praying and thanking the Lord for the person and start paying attention to why am I blessing their business right now? Why, why, why am I being led to pray for their family right now? You know, I, I made a comment on Instagram and, and Facebook. I said, pay attention to the prayers you pray over your children at night. Why are you praying them? Are you declaring their next season without realizing? Are you declaring what it is that God is wanting to do in their life? Yeah, what's on your heart? yeah why, why is that there? You know, and could it be that you've joined the intercession of the Holy Spirit inside of you? So it's, it's, we make it way too complicated, and it's really not. So Does that answer your question, Stanley? Stan, okay. you remember when we were out of Bethel, one of the things that Chris, I think, said was the first thing that he has him do is to try to prophesy somebody's social security number. And his goal is for everyone to fail, but there's always some jerk who like gets it right once a year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, some 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 preposterous Man. absurdity that gets it right. But the goal is actually to get them to fail wow. right away so that they know what it feels like in a culture of grace. Wow. That That's doesn't awesome. care about perfection. That's really good. That just cares about love. Write that down, Rachel. All, really the good. first thing they need to know is what does it feel like to fail in this environment, mm-hmm. right? So much insecurity about failure. Fear of failure is a dominant uh, crusher yep. of people's willingness to be themselves and, and to take yeah. risks. And all we're saying is when I succeed, then I feel good. That's what we're ultimately saying. I'm drawing value from when I hit it out of the park. And that's why I say we've got to root each other in the love of Jesus, period. It has to be foundational. So, <laughs> Tim can't do it. That's every, no, go ahead, it's every sermon is me trying. <laughs> go ahead, Shirley. So what you're saying is, what I hear you saying is, the severe rebuke and warnings, if this person is not correct, then you stone them to death as a false prophet has been a difficulty for you yeah. in the New Testament yeah. moving forward and taking risks because what if I get it wrong? What is Tim's got it. Tim will answer it. What? Yeah. This is Brian Connolly's q and <laughs> I, I, For me, Shirley, you, you're dealing with a time period and a dispensation where the Holy Spirit isn't poured out on all the body of Christ. Does Tammy say that? Yeah, so... That's, we are living in that climatic moment. This is the greatest crescendo. This is what excited the Lord the most. I honestly believe it's part of the joy that was set before him, was there was a day and time where all, again, this is what he's always wanted. Moses wanted that all my people would prophesy. That's what Moses wanted. We're living in the fulfillment of Moses' dream, right? But when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit coming on one individual for one audience, for one particular you know, purpose and time and, you know, and, and message, the standard is a little bit different and a little bit higher for those of us that are simply now walking in a grace period in time where we're all now becoming familiar like a language with hearing God's voice and being able to, because it says, my, all, my sons and daughters will prophesy, period, Acts chapter 2. He's referencing Joel, right? But it's, it is not this mandate where... where um, we're in those ahead. days. We are in those days right now. And that's an intention of God. 
There, and there are some of those. Like, and, and, there, there, and we could get into the whole thing of there's a difference between the office of the prophet and just sons and daughters that hear God's voice. You know? there's, there's a difference in administrative office gifts and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those people are gifts you know, that God, Christ, has given to the church. The gifts of the Spirit are simply the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But if you look at the gift of prophecy in its simplicity, which is to edify, comfort, and to exhort or to encourage, to build up, and things like that, that's, that's why in the third semester with my students, I'm not even swinging at future events yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling them, you share what it is. Like, I have them do this. Ask the Lord, God, what do you think about when you think about that person? Start there. God, when you look at that person, what do you see? Yeah. Start there. And say those things, because you know what? A lot of times, those are the hardest things for people to receive because of the opinion they have of themselves. And they can't see it because of they're just blinded by their own opinion, how they've been treated, things have been said. You know? So I'm not, I am not even concerned about five years from now, what's God doing in their life. And you can ask simple questions like, Lord, what, what are you doing in their life right now? Where are you taking them? What's the enemy up to right now in their life? You know? There's, there's questions you can ask to get the ball rolling. And I, and I was telling Rachel this, and I saw Noah and Rachel hit the groove yesterday. I said, you'll find the more, if you just get going, God, what you think you're starting with one thing, and all of a sudden your mouth can't keep up with what it is that's actually being given to you. That's the flow, because God is now, he's, you open your mouth, I'll fill it. We just have to get going. And, and you, there's freedom. I like what Tim was saying. Like, we are that's the, probably for you and me, though. Don't you think personalities are different? Because like yes. Brian Hibbs, when he gets razor sharp, he says less and less. Mm-hmm. And, and so he and I have been in, it's fun, it's fun. I think prayer is the great activator. Yeah. Intimacy with God is the great activator, right? So prayer is a universal for all the saints. But when you get in a spirit of prayer, mm-hmm. when you get in the presence of God, because prayer drives the presence, it, you know? Yes, so amen. It's a, but, so that's universal, but who you are becomes more bold relief. Like, I'll come out of the prayer meeting going, man, I'm going to just grab the next person I see and prophesy over them. Somebody else might say, i got to get out of here so I can go mow her yard. Oh, that's good. Because that's, that's good. the gift that's in them. That's, 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 that's I important. And some people, they get in the prayer meeting, they can't stand being in the prayer meeting because the Spirit came on them. And it's the last place they're designed to be is the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. Right? So by getting in the presence, they want to get out of the church, not the presence. Yeah. And they think... They, oh man, what's wrong with me? All these other people just want to sing for yeah, hours. Really good. And nothing's wrong with you. Right. right? So Brian, you and I, we, we, we do like Ed's, uh, Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. He says he's got to write four songs a day and he's got to write 10 songs, eight bad ones to get two good ones. And, wow. he, and he doesn't view the eight bad songs as failures. Right. He has to. He's got to get them. He's out. got to clear the pipes. He's got to clear it. Yeah. If you get rust in your pipes, what That's do you good. do? You run the water. But Tim, right? Tim makes a great point. I've seen this, and this this disappoints me at large in in the body of Christ. Is where we esteem certain testimonies more than others, where we honor the prophetic word and uphold the healing over what Tim was talking about. Something as simple as mowing the yard, and I'm I'm grieved by that. Because for some, like that's such a, that's, it's not that we can't, we all can participate in that. We can all participate in the gift of prophecy, healing, all that different stuff. But we can't afford to uphold one at the expense of all the rest. That's not, that's not good. Hey. Great question, Tammy. So I would say, yeah. I, Rephrase the question. Okay. So Tammy's at, Tammy's. Tam- you realize the presence. Can you, Rachel, can you bring me my, my book bag real quick? Rephrase the question. I think what Tammy is asking is, so on one hand, I'm saying, thank you, Rachel. On one hand, I'm saying, hey, buddy, you want that coffee? 
will raise you up in the way you should go right now. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's like, oh, let me taste that. So I think what Tammy is asking is on one hand, we're saying the presence of God is in you. And, and what, I, what, I, what I mean by that is you guys know that. Scripturally, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So, and she, but she's hearing at the same time, Tim's talking about the idea of being in a prayer type like atmosphere and we're wanting the presence to come to us. And you guys know that there is the universal presence of God. Would you agree with that? There is nowhere I can go, David said, Psalm 139, to escape his presence. There's a difference between the indwelling presence, the universal presence, the manifest presence. Wow. Okay? So, but here's what I find. I can actually engage the manifest presence is just as simple. It's, it's just, honestly, it's as close as to me realizing, I don't know if this is going to make sense, that God's presence is universal. So if I just close my eyes and acknowledge, Father, I'm so thankful that you're here, guess what I'm probably going to feel if I see that by faith? But at the same time, I'm not living by my feelings. So regardless if I feel it or not, it's got to be a knowing. In the same way I know. So like I'm, I'm trying to bring up, the, oh, I've got Spider-Man homecoming right here. Hang on, I've got to get rid of that. I was trying to bring up something here on my, my laptop. So um, there's a book that I've, that I've read. I, I love the old mystical writers. And there's a woman by the name of Madame Guion who, do you know what I'm talking about, yeah, Tim? Jeannie. Yes. So she, she wrote a book, uh, and I have it in my bag, called Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. And she is trying to simplify, because a lot of times we're thinking we're striking out if we're not feeling God's presence all the time out here, you know. And so what I'm saying is we, we have to, you can actually engage that much more readily if you would just acknowledge that it's always there. Like, we're supposed to make this simple. It's supposed to be so like that a child can understand it. And what I'm saying is, when I just, when I just quiet my heart and acknowledge that there's a holy of holies place inside of me now, and if I just look inward, I'm not, when I say turn inward, I'm not talking about trying to find what's wrong with you. I'm not talking about going introspective, getting analytical, nitpicking. I'm just saying, by thinking and understanding and realizing wow, God, you're right there. And that thought launches me into his presence. Does that make sense? I'm trying to find the quote for, thank you, Carl. Yeah, I didn't mean that in prayer we somehow get God to come. Oops, sorry. What I mean is that during prayer, we've been flowing with the Spirit, not because we've been, you know, in some sort of, like, man, we've got to figure out. I was in a prayer meeting once where somebody prayed, Holy Spirit, don't let us say a single word that isn't you. And of course, there's a long silence after that because no one wants to be the person who that guy judges as having hey, just prayed in the flesh. And then after that, Doc Mast, Harvey, he just prayed a very like matter-of-fact, unconcerned, didn't have his eyebrows furrowed, he didn't have a holy grimace, he wasn't trying to push out a, a constipated intercession or something like that, he was just talking <laughs> as a kid. And I loved it. And then afterward, that other person was like angrily ranting to, did you hear Doc Mast right after the Lord said this thing through me? And I thought, man, that sounds like Holy Spirit legal or charismatic legalism to me. I want to get free of all that stuff. You know, just, I'm, not I'm not even involved in like self-improvement as a, as a, I don't view my walk with Jesus as a self-improvement program. You can't, because then you're, tr you're trying. It's too much. Like, oh, I have these characteristics out of whack. I'd better meditate on these passages and then do that. Oh, my word. Rescue us, I wonder Lord. if people actually think in that voice. No, okay. <laughs>
If they did, they'd realize how wrong they are much quicker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find this quote for you, Tammy. I may have to do it another time, but I think it would really answer your when, question. When people are arguing and your retort is just what they said, but with this, that's usually effective. Okay. Madame Guion makes this, makes this comment, Tammy. And this isn't even necessarily to your point or question, but this, this quote has blessed me immensely. You need only believe that God dwells in you. This belief and this belief alone will bring you into his holy presence. So if I just turn and just think upon that for a moment, man, does that put a smile on my face? And I instantly engage the reality of God in me rather than I'm waiting for you to come to me. Does that make sense, Tim? Okay. I made an observation based on the songs we sing I've been in services where we declare the facts of what Jesus has accomplished. Just see if this, test this against your experience. When have you, quote, sensed the room rise more? When we are singing over and over for the Holy Spirit to come, or when we are celebrating that Jesus in his cross has destroyed the devil, crushed sin, and in his resurrection has defeated death itself? You can feel the water level rise every time we affirm the victory of Jesus. But you can almost feel the, the, the room either stay still or the water level drop the more we beg for Holy Spirit to come. Why don't we make an upgrade in our thinking and start standing on faith on what Jesus has done instead of trying to accomplish something that's already achieved? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying we can't ask for the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to say that what I've noticed over and over is we're in the covenant where all we got to do is, is take the check into the bank and get the cash instead of, like, what? Anyway. No, it's good. Your microphone has been taken. No, I handed it to him for now. Well, yeah, the glory is his weightiness. That's what it translates to be. Yeah. And I think that was the presence already here just showing itself. And we know this. When they dedicated the temple, no minister could stand. The glory came and filled the temple. Boom. And everybody was down. You can't stand in that atmosphere. It can, it can, yeah, it, it can isolate and paralyze us, right, yeah. Well, yeah, to answer Tammy's point, or to, to Christ in you, the hope of, there it is. Thank you, sir. So the hope of glory means you are the hope of people encountering the presence of God in you. So to Tammy's point, we can't, yeah, you, it's already there, we've got to let it out, yeah. Hey, Pete, what's up? <laughs> Come on, he has a hey, Thanos me, shirt on. You got these, you got these <laughs> I have a shirt, Pete. It's, it says, bring me Thanos on it, and Thor's holding his axe like that. So oh. we had a question about fasting. We had, what was your, what were the topics? Stanley was asking about how do you Stanley train your had, students. How do you train? Uh, Tammy was asking about. Yours was, how do we handle the, the Old Testament severity and move into New Testament with mm-hmm. those scary things that were there? Mm-hmm. And yours was about the presence. Yeah. Right, because not everyone's a feeler, and right. some people, yeah. We'll vet it, Rob. We'll, we'll find out real quick, buddy. Safe place to fail. Uh, Tim's asking me to rephrase the question. I think what he's asking is, he, he has a friend that would attend church. Would you say he was on the fence about where he stood, or? That's how he would put it. That's how he would put it. And it sounds like he's with some friends that don't necessarily support faith a whole lot, and... Rob, you're asking if whether, how do you break through that? How do you, okay. 
Well, the first, yeah, the first thing I would say, number one, like that, I love, I love your heart, and it already qualifies you that you're even asking the question, you sincerely care about this individual. That's phenomenal, because we don't, we're not, we don't have a bone to pick. We're not looking for a need to be right. We're wanting to love the person, right? So I, I, had, I had, and I don't know if this will speak to you or not, Rob, but I had, we, the, the, the development where we live, long story short, we, we've gone through some stuff. My neighbor lost their youngest child, wasn't even two years old, found him dead in the crib. The man across the street from me, this all happened within a year, the man across the street from me whose children played at his house, got nailed for childhood porn and thousands of different pictures and, all these, and his kids had to watch him get carried away and all this different stuff. So my house became the hub of the activity. Everybody's, everybody knows me in the development, knows what I stand for and what I believe. So I had an individual there, and he was livid. I mean, his, his oldest daughter was friends with the oldest daughter across the street, and he's using language like, if he was home right now, I'd kill him. Because that's how people feel about that scenario. And everybody's asking the question of, well, geez, like, I don't even want to let my kid ride the, her bike or his bike on the road anymore, and does he have pictures of my kid? And all this stuff was in flux, and nobody had any answers. And, and I'm calm as a cucumber. I'm just... Well, I forgive him. I went into the prison, sat across from him and said, I don't care if you had pictures of my children. I'm coming to tell you right now that I forgive you and that I love you. And, um, and I said, I just want to set you free from that. So, but this individual sitting in my house and he's going off and he's like, you know, I know what you believe. And I, I remember when you got that minivan, I was so ticked at you. And because and, he had twins and he's thinking to himself, how come I didn't get a minivan? So he's like, I judged you for that and all this stuff. And I'm just listening and I'm not upset and I'm not offended by anything that he's saying. And, uh, and I'm, I'm telling him my story along the way. I'm like, well, this is you know, why I am the way that I am. And he's wanting to argue theology with me. He's wanting to argue things from a scientific standpoint because he's, so, he's saying, I want to believe because my grandfather was such a devout believer and I believe he's in heaven. And I wanna, he's in this place of conflict and I, and I said to him, and I, his, I said, uh, his name's Nate. I said, Nate, I said, listen, man. I said, I love all of your questions. And I said this, and I said, I'm not trying to argue you into a position. I'm not trying to bend your arm and get you to believe what I believe. I said, what you need to have is a bona fide encounter with God. That's it. That's the only thing that's going to change an individual. Is we, the bush is burning. Are we going to turn and look at it and notice it? God is, is waiting for us to just divert our attention and for him to catch our gaze and to have an encounter with him. And can God, you know, I, I, Paul showed up, guys. He said, I didn't come here with persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of, of the power of, you know, and the, and the spirit, you know, of the Lord. And it wasn't, it's not that we read that and we're like, well, he just showed up and he was preaching and, and, and demonstrating the gifts of the spirit. Maybe, or was it that he also had a reputation and people knew who he used to be and they have to wrestle with the fact that he's no longer that man. Because that's the greatest demonstration of God's power, is I was a persecutor, blasphemer, blasphemer, and murderer, and now I'm not. And so your story, they have to wrestle with that. And, and I'm not trying to convince them. I said, Nate, I'm not trying to convince you. I said, to be honest with you, I said, science and spirituality, I said, they actually go hand in hand if you allow them to. But my point being, Rob, is, is you're qualified because you care, therefore your prayers mean something because it's coming from the place of I love. And my prayer would be, and I would let this individual know, I mean, like, be there for them, encourage them, love them, absolutely, but when God, they need to be convinced. I, Rachel and Noah will remember this. I, I, we, they, they went into a series on apologetics at the church with the youth group, and they wanted me to come and kick it off, and I said, I'm not here to talk about apologetics. 
What I am here to talk about was the fact that I was blind and now I see. And when, when you have that encounter, irregardless if people disagree with you or not, that man was thrown out of the synagogue, but it didn't change the fact. What, and they had to wrestle with that. He, they, they knew he was born blind, and they knew that all of a sudden he could see. I said, we need to get beyond I believe to I'm convinced. That's conviction. That's what faith is. If I just say I believe, then I'm susceptible to everybody else's belief system. I'm susceptible to everybody else's opinion. But if somebody has an encounter, you can't take that away from me. And that's what he needs. Right now he's being tossed to and fro by opinion and what people are saying and support and everything else. And it's sad if the support of the world was greater than the support he found in the church. That's alarming. And therefore he's going with that crowd and that flow. But my prayer for that individual would be that he would desperately encounter. I, I have parents come up to me. I hear your story, how you were on drugs and you got set free. I want that to happen for my child. And my prayer is always the same. Jesus, would you just arrest their heart? Would you encounter them with your love? That's the only thing that's going to change them. They need to, it's the only thing that changed me. I grew up in a Christian home to a degree, to an extent. But if you would have looked at my life, you never would have known that. And I could only rotate or ride the coattails of my parents' faith for so long before God had to desperately just grab a hold of me. So I don't know if that answers your question or not. But I, I, think, I think for him to know that you're praying for him, lifting him up, blessing him, and, and praying that he would have an encounter that would settle that once and for all in his heart, that's how I would go about it on a personal level. And to me, that puts me at rest. And I'm not trying to orchestrate it. I'm not trying to... There is so much pressure to say the right thing. And then we get into trying rather than just really letting grace come and, and do its work. I think you're also kind of highlighting the significant shaping role of social factors in all of our lives. You know, we're, we can say, you know, we're strong enough to withstand the influence of others, but none of us are intended or designed to be impervious to the influence of others. We're right. designed to run. I mean... It's 2, 2, 2, 2. It's 2 Timothy 2, 2. Um, There's a proverb, I think, that essentially says you are who you hang out with. You are who you surround yourself with. Yeah, and the passage I was going to quote is, flee the evil desires of youth or anything that stirs up youthful passions and instead pursue righteousness and faith along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it's like there's some stuff we're supposed to run away from. Not walk, run. And there's some stuff we're supposed to run after. And it doesn't just say, you know, be strong enough to do it alone. That's a That's great good. sermon, and I love it. Yeah. But it says, find some people whose heart burns for what you are burning for yeah. and run with them as your inner circle. If you do that, you will burn. If you try to go over here and save everybody and make non-Christians your inner circle, pretty soon you're going to probably be in a place of, of dead faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I mean, how many good people have we seen hang out with morons as their inner circle and then they become morons? A lot. Yeah. Yes, Teresa. That's up to Tim, but I think so. Yeah, we, I mean, we were, we were touching on it earlier, Teresa. I don't know if you came in, but the biggest one for me is just it's the fear of being inaccurate. It's the fear of failure like Tim was talking about earlier. So fear, I mean, it's, I, I tell people all the time, anger and hatred is not the antithesis of love. It's fear. That's why was, perfect loves. Go ahead, Tim. I was wondering where that was going to go. I was like, I can't really give you any advice on breastfeeding. <laughs> he was staring, then, b- staring then blankly the corner. at you. Yeah. You turn the corner, and I was like, okay, uh, now here we're we back go. on. Yeah. 
Right. Right. Fear, fear is always going to be the great hindrance. It's always going to be the great deterrent because we're, because we oftentimes will quote, we'll say, well, perfect love casts out fear. That, and I love that, but you need to finish the verse because fear involves punishment. So we think that when we fail or like, or when we blow it, we're going to be punished for it. And that's why people aren't running to the Lord. They're expecting to be punished more than they're expecting to be loved. That's why they're hiding in the garden. And so that's why people aren't coming out. So I'm not willing to take risks because I'm afraid that God's going to be disappointed. I'm afraid you're going to reject me. I'm afraid you're going to change your opinion about me. I'm so, we're so concerned about our reputation more than we are just... And any parent will tell you this. Any parent in the room. It wasn't... I didn't need my daughter to ride her bike perfectly. I wanted her to try. And it hurt me that she wasn't even willing to try. And to know what she's capable of and for her to say, I can't. When you know you can, that's the hardest thing to watch. Not failure. The lack of even trying is the hardest thing to watch. That's the primary deterrent I have. I think if I could create a human that was incapable of fear, I would probably create a human that would fall off a ladder, get bit by a snake, run into traffic. So I feel like we need to kind of reprogram our brains a little bit and be more precise when we describe what kinds of fear are destructive Mm. and what kinds of fear are God-given, like pain. Right. Is a God-given sensory piece of information that's mm-hmm. highly relevant at us maintaining health. Right? Yeah. I just like to throw the little <laughs> monkey wrench in there. Dawn. Right. I hear, I, hear that all, I hear that all the time, even in regards to healing. Well, I don't want to try to pray for healing because what if the person doesn't get healed and therefore Jesus looks like a moron? Or you, you, yeah, or you. And you're, it's impossible to smudge his name. Right. 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 Well, that's a lot of times why I'll often qualify and say, hey, this is something that I'm growing in. It's not to take away from him in any which way. You know, um, uh, so I, it's, it's, I, I guess for me, like, I, I, you can't, we have to reconcile the fact that he's big enough to defend the integrity of his name. You're, you're not going to, I mean, and if, if you need to qualify certain things, like, I'll, I'll oftentimes, even when I go and give a word to somebody in public, I'm like, hey, this is going to seem really weird right now. You know, like, there are certain things I will segue with or, or enter into, and, and, and because, like, I know, number one, it can feel awkward ourselves doing it, and the average person out there, they're, they're not hearing stuff like that. And, hey, I just really believe that we can hear the voice of the Lord, and I may be wrong here, but blah, 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 blah. You know, this is something I'm growing in, something I'm practicing. I just really want to love people right now. So I can use that language as an introduction. I'm not coming at them and saying, this is what the Lord is saying, and thus saith the Lord. And like, therefore, they've got to walk away with, geez, he sounds like that, and he's wrong, you know? So I got a story. Uh, I was in a group that shall remain unnamed at a location that will also be unnamed. Who knows where I was and who I was with? So mysterious. And, And the people around me, prayed for the waitress in a way that made me very, very concerned about Jesus' reputation. She was our waitress, so she was serving us. The power was imbalanced in the narrative. We were in a private room in this restaurant, and she was detained sort of against her will. There were large, loud men involved, and she was a dainty woman. I was just all kinds of uncomfortable with the charismatic the way they were praying and the length of the prayers. And uh, I believe that one person said, Tim, why don't you pray? And I said, really, that's how we're going to do this? And he looked at me like, you're so unspiritual. And 
So then they prayed this lengthy, very to me, very disjointed, preachy. Yeah. Uh, it just, the whole thing was so painful to me. At the end, I was like, I like your glasses. I just tried to unspiritualize it and make it a normal human interaction where she felt loved. She was crying, Dawn. At the end of their prayer wow. that made me so uncomfortable, she was able to translate. They were doing a very bad job being missionaries, speaking her language, but she had enough human awareness to interpret for them oh, they're just trying to love me. She didn't hear a word they said about the details. The point was, we care. We're trying. And her heart got the message. And I was like, there you go. Holy Spirit knows stuff that Tim doesn't know. You know what I mean? And so I kind of feel like that's a a helpful application in in your context. I agree. You love those people. You love them. And just trust that that's going to get through. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. We should probably conclude. Thank you so much for having this conversation yeah, you're with welcome, us. Guys. Yeah.